When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Can you say hard hats, folks? Hard hats, lunch pails, steel to a boots? Anything short of a championship this year is a failure. Look at this boomer right here. You've just got so much talent here. Somebody said we need to apologize for Jalen. Can I call the John? What are we apologizing for? What did we say? What did we do? Dude, I'm loving the intro, man. Loving the intro, loving the fight by the Pistons tonight, but I'm loving the result a little bit more. The Celtics, with uh, they avoid they avoid embarrassment, they avoid a disaster, and they pull off an overtime win against the now was it 28 games in a row losing streak to Trey Pistons. 28, so, 28 and counting, Jimmy. 28 one, and counting. 128 to 122. The Celtics are uh, victorious tonight at the TD Garden. They remain undefeated at home just by the skin of their teeth. Ashrod Blakely here with us. I am Jimmy Toscano. Josue Pavone is at the Garden. Bobby Manning is at the Garden. They're probably talking to uh, – It better Missoula not be Luke. As we speak, yes. <laughs> it's not going to be Luke tonight. I can guarantee you that. Um, you don't want to be in the in the Pistons locker room again tonight, but uh, maybe they'll sneak in there, and at the very least, they'll, they'll talk to Monty Williams maybe and just get an idea of of where, where that team's at. Uh, mentally, it's going to be pretty tough for that Pistons team's, but – their old news now come and gone. Uh, just another uh, another W for the Celtics in that column. But Sherrod, a tale of two halves. I mean, this was ugly in in many many uh, cases tonight for the Celtics to start off. They it was one of those games where like if these guys don't start hitting a three, they're they're not only going to lose, they're going to get they're going to get their doors blown off. They took a 19 point deficit going into halftime on just abysmal shooting from three. Sloppy turnovers. Tatum looked like he wasn't on, on the same page. Uh, Derek White was not himself out there in the first half. Red sneak. I got I to gotta make one thing clear. I'm talking about red sneaker Derek White. So red sneaker Derek White in the first half, Sherrod, was a completely different player than white and blue sneaker Derek White in the second half. So I don't know what were, were in those sneakers, but burn the red ones, keep the white and blue ones, and just keep it rolling. Make a shot. Forget about your sneakers. Forget about your wristbands. Forget about your hair. It's all in the sneakers, dude. This was this was a hot mess, Boston Celtics style. This was listen. There, there were maybe maybe two teams, maybe one or two other teams outside of Detroit that the Celtics could have played this putrid for this long and still found a way to win. 
first they were absolute trash in the first half. Uh, and and no disrespect to Detroit. Detroit was playing pretty good basketball, but they yeah. weren't playing good enough basketball to put the Celtics in a 19-point hole uh, or 21-point hole. Actually, the league got up to 21 for Detroit in the first half. That yeah. was inexcusable. Uh, the, the, when you look at the blame pile for this, because, again, the Celtics won, and everyone should feel good about that. I don't. I don't feel good about them winning because they did not do – this the way it should have been done yes detroit played a good game but detroit leaves this with so much confidence because they're thinking if we just play like this for the rest of the season we're probably going to win a lot of games when when you're playing the best team in the nba and you have lost 20 27 in a row you should walk out of that building thinking like damn we just got our asses kicked by the best team in the NBA. That is not what Detroit is feeling right now. They're feeling this is a this is yet another game they gave away. And you think so? oh, I absolutely think so. Detroit is feeling much better about themselves after this game than they would have if if Boston would have came out and absolutely smashed them. Because at that point, you mean they're it feeling been, better or worse? They are. What's that? You're saying the Pistons are feeling better or worse right now than they're, if when... they're feeling better. Okay. They're feeling better than they would have if Boston would have handled this the way the best team in the NBA should handle it. And yeah. I, I, I don't feel good at all about this win if I'm the Celtics, uh, at, particularly if I'm Jason Tatum. You had a great second half. Your whole team had a great second half. But part of the reason why you kind of sucked in the first half was because you were you kind of weren't very good. And you and you didn't and there was no there were there's no Jalen Brown scapegoat. We can't put Jalen Brown in this one. Not tonight. Not tonight. This was on Tatum. Tatum needs to be better for longer. He was very good in the second half, but damn, you're this is you can't have these kind of games when a key player is missing and you're the best player and you're available. He's got to be better than this. Yeah, and I think whatever happened at halftime, whether it was something Missoula said or something that the Celtics just snapped into it, they did change the way things were, were going. And I give, I'll give i give Tatum credit for that. He did come around in the second half. White came around. Porzingis had a great game. Yes. Uh, second half. You know, again, I, we're talking about second halves here. But overall, he had, you know, he was somebody that was just consistent out there. Um, the Celtics did get – I think they got outworked in a lot of cases. They got out-rebounded. Um, but, again, that second half, they kind of snapped out of it. To your point, Sherrod, Tatum, not a complete game. He ends with a great stat line. I mean, as he, as he typically does, was it 31 points? Uh, let's see, we got the whole thing here. 31 points. Um, 10 assists, I think. Seven rebounds. I think he might have had eight eight rebounds, but 10 assists. I think he had five steals. Uh, right. Again, 31 points on 31 shots. Not an efficient game. Two of 11 from three. Missed the shot uh, at the end of regulation. Thought he had a good look. Just, you know, came up a little short on that to, to send it uh, to overtime there. Um, but of course you want more consistency out of Tatum. And especially like you said, with Jalen Brown out tonight, um, it's, it's a no brainer on who the go-to guy is. Is it just obvious that he's going to get the last shot, Sherrod, regardless? It shouldn't be though. Even if Jalen's in there? It it shouldn't be Jimmy, because I, 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 you know, I, I think Joe does a lot of good things and he's gotten better at a lot of things. But the one thing that I wish, if there's one thing he could, he could take from Brad that I wish he would is be more unpredictable and late clock end of game situations remember how how brad would draw plays for like like 
you know, Jeff Green and 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 for yeah. Evan Turner. Ooh, Jeff Green guys, shout out. Wow. Yeah. For for guys <laughs> who who weren't the go-to players on the team, but they were being positions to make plays in late game situations. Why can't we see something like that for Derek White? Why can't we see something like that for Drew Holiday? Why can't we see something like that for Porzingis? Guys who have done enough in this league to where they've earned the right to have the number called for the final shot of the game. And if you're a defense. You're looking for Tatum. Your focus is on Tatum, and that means you're probably sleeping a little bit on some of those other guys around. I just wish Joe would be a little bit more creative in those end-of-game situations. And don't put all the all your eggs in the Tatum basket when you need a, need a bucket to go down in the last second, particularly in a situation where, worst-case scenario, is you're going to overtime. To me, that's when that's the time when you try to call something for someone else. Because, again, the worst thing that can happen is you just play another five minutes. You're not going to lose the game in that particular play. And if Tatum has a wide-open three, that's one thing. But that never happens in those situations. So why wouldn't you try to call something or create a play that opens things up for someone else? I Yeah, I mean, we're we're not at the point where no one's screaming, no, don't shoot it when Tatum has the ball. But I can tell you what. If the ball ended up in this guy's hands, Derek All Star White, <laughs> thank you Amit for the for the graphic here. I don't think anyone would have an issue with Derek White taking any shot he wants right now. I mean, he was on fire in the second half of this game. Looked like the Derek White we've seen for the last season plus now, and a lot of people think that Derek White just might be the overall best player. On the Celtics, and I will say this: John Zanis in our in our group chat has been has been starting that uh, has been starting that uh, movement. I think where he's just saying Derek White's your best player, and you know what? Every game that that occurs, it's less and less crazy. Well, think about this, Jimmy. In this particular game, they began that fourth quarter stretch. Thank you, Curry. With they began that fourth quarter stretch with Tatum on the bench. With Porzingis on the bench, but Derek White was in there. Who got them back the lead? It was Derek White. He scored like a first five or six points in a row. Derek White has gone from being just a nice glue guy to the damn artwork. He's no longer just the, he's no longer the glue. He's the damn artwork itself. <laughs> uh, and and that's it's great to see. But the the challenge he's going to have being an all star is he's going to have to be voted in by the coaches because fans damn sure aren't going to vote him in. Um, right, so he, right, he's, he's going to have to continue to basically torch teams in the East so that when they get time to thinking, okay, who's going to be my reserve guard, the he'll come to mind. But the one thing that I, I think will help his case is the Celtics have to put more distance between themselves and the rest of the East. Because at that point, you can start justifying having three and four guys from one team. If you've got like a four or five game yeah, lead. that's a good point. That's that's such and when you look at the teams that get like three and four all stars, that nine times out of tens is what separates them from everyone else is they have this huge margin of of wins over the next best team. That's what the Celtics are going to have to do if Derek White is going to have any shot of getting of being an all star, because if you go by simply his numbers. He's borderline in the conversation. If you go by his impact on winning, he definitely should be an all-star. And the only way you can really amplify that part of what he brings to the table is you've got to win a lot of games and put yourself in position where you are head and shoulders better than everyone in the East. And because of that, you've earned the right to have three and potentially four all-stars. I'm going to say what a lot of people say to me all the time. And this isn't, if you don't think Derek White's an all-star, 
you don't know ball. And that's what people tell me. Jimmy, you don't know ball. And maybe they're right. Maybe <laughs> I don't know ball. But I but I know Derek White is an all-star this year based on what I've seen. And, of course, the shot. I mean, you're right. He's not a household name yet. He's not the flashiest guy. He's not gonna. He's not gonna be filling up Sports Center top ten, but he makes the right plays out there almost all the time. Um, he, like you said, he's he's beyond the glue guy of this team. He's their most consistent player. And if you're the their most consistent player and you're the best team in the league, like you said, they probably need to maybe win a few more and distance themselves from the rest of the pack before um, that All Star break occurs. But you can't tell me if you're an assistant, if you're a coach or an assistant coach or anybody involved in the NBA, you can't tell me you watch the NBA and not notice how Derek White is affecting things out there for the Boston Celtics. You just can't tell me that. No, no, it's 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 so obvious, particularly when you start looking at their their games and you start seeing how the highlights. And when you when you start going through the highlights, the the real highlights, not just the ones where Tatum is dunking on somebody, but the the highlights that actually impact winning. He's, he says it right here. We're just exactly. calm. he's calming. He's a calming presence. <laughs> he is. He, he he he's a calming presence, but he's a baller. I mean, he he Derek White is slowly becoming one of my favorites. Uh they got rid of my binky and Marcus Smart. They got yeah. rid of him. But Derek White is starting to become my my Marcus Smart 2.0, the guy that <laughs> I absolutely love to see play. Uh because the thing the thing that I love Is he most making about, you forget Marcus? No one will ever make me forget Marcus. <laughs> Happy holidays, by the way, to, to all those folks out there from Marcus Smart. That's my there guy. There you go. Yeah, Marcus I, Smart's back. He's back, he, everybody. He, in, in and, and, and Memphis is a better team with him and Ja. Uh, but that, that's and another story. Big that, and there, but yes. Yes, that's ampersand. <laughs> <laughs> ampersand uh, yeah. Ja. Yeah. But but the, Derek, he's just he just does all the smart things you want a basketball player to do. And he makes big shots. And the thing about it, when he's making big shots, when he's make when he misses a bunny like he did or in the first half of this game, which to me, he I couldn't believe he missed that layup. He literally comes down the middle of the lane yeah. and just blew a layup. Um he doesn't get rattled or or emotionally deranged or detached whenever he does something really good or really bad he stays in the moment and when that moment comes that moment passes he moves on to the next play mm-hmm. uh he, he is i mean as easy said he's very calming influence very cerebral player and guys like that uh, you need a guy or two like that on your squad to win a championship you need a guy who who has like like really 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 high level talent and skills and intellect but doesn't get himself emotionally frankly off kilter depending mm-hmm. on how the game is going so Derek white yeah i mean i they're gonna have you know at some point down the road they're gonna have to make some really tough decisions with this roster but i i can't imagine Derek white being on another roster in the next four or five years i can't say i i i honestly believe brad stevens will find a way to keep him oh well i mean brad this is this is brad stevens like this is his guy, right? I mean, Brad Stevens was the person who made that trade to bring him over here. And there was a lot of criticism about it. it um, I'm not going to say from who <laughs> me, um, <laughs> me, John. <clears throat> um, but in our defense, again, it was not a great start to Derek White's Celtics career in his, in his, you know, after the deadline to finish the season, but he's completely more than Redina's up. I think he's even better 
there's going to be some people that said, ah, I knew he was this good. I knew he was this good. Listen, I don't think anyone knew no. Derek White was this good. Maybe Derek White knew it. Maybe Derek White's dad knew it. But <laughs> I don't know if anyone else thought that we were yeah. going to get this this level. And, and Gerard, he's really going to make it difficult for the Celtics and for Wick and for Brad to – they're going to have – there's only so much money. The, yeah. The, the NBA is not designed like Major League Baseball, unfortunately, where you can just – go out there and be the Dodgers, right? And and delay the payments 10 years and just sign whoever the hell you want. So they're going to have to, obviously they're going to re-sign Tatum. They've got Tatum. They've got uh, Brown. Derek White is playing like a damn max player right now too. So, oh. and they've got Porzingis. They've got Holiday. So this window, enjoy this folks, because this this lineup, this roster that you see, it just can't happen for, for forever, unfortunately. Right. The only only person I know who sort of had a clue that Derek White was going to be really good was Will Hardy, the Utah Jazz coach, former Celtics assistant. Will talked him up like no one I'd been really? I'd talked to before. And I'm listening to Will talk to me about it. I'm thinking like, well, I, I know that was your boy in San Antonio, but come on, man. He can't be that <laughs> damn good. Yeah. If he was that damn good, why is Pop cutting him loose? Right. And, and, and so – Bad, yeah, bad decision. Exactly. He said his point is Derek, where the, the Spurs were and where Derek was in terms of his talent, just wasn't an ideal fit. And Derek would be a perfect fit in Boston, which I was not buying entirely. And then I meet Derek. I'm like, either he's way more talented than he's letting on mm-hmm. or he's not re- he's not really confident in his game right now. Right. And you start watching him play and it's just like, OK. He might, he might be all right. And then when you start hearing Tatum talk about how we need him to shoot more and we're telling him to shoot more, and then he says, okay, I need to shoot more. And then you see him. He's not just shooting more. He's actually making shots, confidence, which is a, right. Which is, right. And, and the, he's got, like, real cerebral confidence in his ability to be an impact player. And right now, it's to the point now, like in this game, where Tatum was upset at a couple of no calls. Derek was the one trying to calm Tatum down. Mm-hmm. That's something where when you're new to the crew, you're not trying to do that. You're just trying to just, look, Jason's the best player on the team. I'm not telling him to do a damn thing. But now, now, Derek White feels he's got some, he's got some, he's got some investment That's in this team. Yeah, he, his voice has a different, right. carries a different weight now than it did maybe six, seven months ago. Yeah. And he understands that. And he's earned that. He's earned that right to be heard. And he's that, not proving him. He's not proving anything to anybody at this point. No, I mean he's he he's at that point now where he's just playing his game. When Derek White goes out there and gets you twenty five points, draws two or three charges, gets maybe three or four uh, deflections, a block shot, right. couple steals, six dimes, three or four rebounds. It's like we call that Thursday. Some people call that like the <laughs> highlight of the. That's Thursday for Derek. So yeah, he's at that point, and that's a that's a big part of why this Celtics team. Is kind of is scary good uh, because they got guys like him who aren't even like the the you know the the main attractions who are giving you main attraction production. I don't want to make this like Derek White versus Marcus Smart, and I'm not trying to throw shade, but he's kind of he's kind of like Marcus Smart without the mistakes. Is kind of how I'm seeing him a little bit right now. He's the best. He's, he's more. He's just not making the the head scratching play. He's not trying to do too much. You'll never say why is Derek White doing all this right now right you know it's he plays within himself but he's able to affect the game in so many different ways where it doesn't feel like he's overexerting or he's overstepping his bounds right it just feels like he's capable of it and so you you never really get that that feeling 
I, I could see that. I could see that. But the, the one thing I, I will say, just to kind of balance it out a little bit, is just the entry point that Derek White came to Boston versus the entry point that Marcus came is very different. Like Marcus mm-hmm. came and it was, I mean, it's to me, it's the difference between you're coming into a market and there's nothing but land. There really aren't any houses. You kind of have to figure out your own real estate, where you want to fit in. Whereas Derek White comes in, you've got the Taj Matatum. You've got the, uh, you know, you, you've got the, the you got the Jalen Brown house. you got the, it's like you join a team where, you're trying to elevate yourself to the status of those guys around you. If you're Derek White, whereas Marcus is like, this this is crap. This team isn't very good. This Mm -hmm. I'm Brad Stevens. I'm Brad Stevens, like first guy. And there's no other guys that are really that good here. I mean, Rondo was on his way out. So, I mean, there's, you kind of understand why Derek White was a little bit more. I got to figure out how to work with these guys. Whereas, Marcus was like, okay, I figured out what I need to do in this league. Oh, damn, now they got this Jason Tatum dude. Now they got this Jalen Brown dude. I got to figure out how to work with them, but I still want to do what I did when I first came to the team, when there was no one here. And so Marcus became a shot chucker um, (laughs) and, you know, made incredible risk defensively. Many of them paid off handsomely for the Celtics. Some of them did not. Uh, And and so their entry point is different, and I think that has a lot to do with how – effective they were in finding their place uh but you know take nothing away from Derek white he's done a hell of a job uh in boston and he's proven himself that he at absolute the worst case scenario is he is in the all-star conversation worst case scenario he's earned that i think so too i want score early this nfl season with FanDuel, america's number one sports book Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action NFL. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including you got spreads, you got your player props, you got over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. I want to post a comment up here. And I want to see if I can do this without ending the uh, without ending the uh, stream. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remove both of us so that people can see. There you guys go. I wanted everyone to see that we have included Derek White in the background image now because there's a lot of people uh, over the past <laughs> few games have saying, give Derek White his respect, toss his image up there in the background. Respect on that D. White. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we have officially thrown some respect on his name. Uh, he is uh, he is right. In, and not only that, Sherrod, he's right in the middle. He's keeping everybody uh, together just like he does in the court. So Derek White. Um, 
you know, and this was a game apparently that was on NBA TV tonight. So I think I think slowly but surely he's making a little bit of a name for himself. And another guy, Sherrod, on this team that we can't ignore. And I'm going to ask you a question after we talk about Porzingis, but just comment a, a little bit on what he's not just tonight, but I mean, look at this line: 35 points, eight rebounds. I thought there were some points in the game where the Celtics could have been a little bit more physical and, and it looked like early on, especially the trade was getting whatever they wanted at the rim and they were kind of, you know, throwing some dunks down. And I thought the Celtics could have been a little bit more aggressive. And maybe that's something that Porzingis will see in the film watching back. But what this guy is able to give you on the offensive end is why it was just a no brainer to, to, to take the risk and make the trade for him. And we've, we've talked about it on previous shows. Just this is another trade that just could not have gone any better for the Celtics. You're getting a Porzingis. I mean, the guy was smiling from ear to ear tonight. We get checked out of the game. Uh, he he just even just fighting for a rebound off off of a missed free throw. He's getting the crowd fired up. I mean, this is a a passionate player that at whatever year he is now into his career, eight, 10 years in now, however long, he's re-inspired I think he's just found almost found like a second a second life uh in basketball and you can see it out there yeah you absolutely can I mean I, I think the, the biggest thing with him is that coming to Boston has allowed him to in in many respects recalibrate his career uh he was That's a number it, yeah. one he was a number one or number two option everywhere he was prior to here and here he comes he's the number three but the thing about him as that number three guy is that he still has the ability to be your number one or number two option. And there are going to be nights, and I've said this before, there are going to be nights where you're going to need him to be your best player on the floor. There are going to be nights where you're going to need him to be that guy that the Knicks went all in on on draft night and, and, and you know the, and made him a centerpiece of what they did for a couple of years there. And this is one of those nights. They needed him to be mm -hmm. a major player down the stretch with no Jalen Brown around. They needed him to step up, and he did that. The thing about Porzingis is that the more I watch him play, his ability to absolutely destroy your defense and pick and roll coverage is amazing because whoever he is doing the pick and roll action with, that player becomes a more dynamic score. And as that player becomes more dynamic, you have to worry about the other three guys two of whom are probably in a corner just waiting for a catch-and-shoot opportunity. And one is probably on the wing, usually Al or someone like that, who's waiting for, again, another catch-and-shoot opportunity. And the stress level that he puts on your defense opens up his game, opens mm -hmm. up uh, those around him. And the thing that he did I thought really well against Detroit was – they kept the ball moving until he got the ball in a situation where he had a six, five, six, 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 seven guy trying to guard him. And poor, you know, Bojanovich. I mean, he just got, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah. So many times it's like, you know, the seven foot two guy catches the ball and you you're right behind him. It's like, what the hell are you going to do? Mm -hmm. You're not going to move him. You're not going to block a shot. You're just going to just, just sit your ass to get ready to take the ball from out of the net and inbound because he's about to score on you. And Porzingis was able to do that repeatedly. And when they have matched him up with someone who was a little bit closer in size, he still was able to seek out the mismatch. And that's the that's the beauty of what his game presents. He has the ability to both take advantage of mismatches on his own and find the mismatch elsewhere. Because at seven foot two, you're not going to be able to blind him. He's going to see over your defense pretty right. much any time and every time he wants to. And so 
Uh, Porzingis is a problem. Uh, and, and again, I, I think that when you talk about the Celtics, I think you need to start seriously looking at them as a team to have four all-stars this year. They have four guys who are in that conversation. And the only way that's going to happen is they're going to have to have the best record in the NBA. And they're going to have to put a decent amount of distance between them and the next best team. And they're trending in that direction. Um, and again, as, as we get deeper and closer to, to that time, the more likely they're to get that four player all-star nod than not. This leads me to my question that I was going to, I'm going to ask you. Mm-hmm. Okay. It would be great if the Celtics could get four all-stars, but let's just say they can't, they can only bring three. Give me your three today. Tatum. Porzingis. Okay. And. I'm gonna go with Brown. Okay. All right. So, so I'm white, so white White's off your list right now. What does hard. he have to do? I, I tell you what he has to do. Uh he has to miss a game and me see what they look like without him. He's missed a couple. Yeah, and they, they look they they didn't suck without him. Right. But him and Jalen, it's going to be him or Jalen. I mean, that's really what it's going to come down to. Uh, I, I think Porzingis is going you to think be an Porzingis awesome. is more of a lock than Jalen is. I do, I do. I, 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 the thing about Porzingis, I know missed games were going to hurt hurt him a little bit. It's not going to help, but what helps him more than anything is the fact that what he does when he is out there playing. I mean, when you're when you're game planning against the Celtics and Porzingis, you know, is going to play you know your defense is going to be challenged in a way that very few teams can challenge your defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think – because Porzingis, to me, he's a guy that if you're assistant coach or head coach and you're voting on the all-star team, Porzingis is a guy that you're thinking about because Porzingis is a guy that when you're game planning for the Celtics, you think a lot about because of all the different things he can do. Derek White and, and Jalen Brown, I, I think it's a coin toss. I, I would give Jalen a slight edge at this point. Uh, but, man – Derek White is going to make it really hard to just say no to him. Um, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't be surprised to be honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised if the voting is so tight that that the Jalen Brown, Derek White vote gets split and someone else slides in to be an All Star. Um, yeah. and, and and both of those guys are are left on the outside looking in. I could see that scenario happening as well. But the fact that the Celtics have four players who are legitimate All Star contenders, I think it says a lot about where they are as a franchise right now. Yeah, I mean it's best case scenario is because you know when when they when they brought in Porzingis, there were a lot of questions on how it would fit and you know where was he where was he at? What do you think, Sherrod? Just going back to Porzingis for a minute, and it's a great question. I'm going to ask Joe Sway and Bobby the same thing when they get on. If if we can, you know, hopefully they hopefully we can get a chance to talk to them tonight. I'm sure they're they're hard at work, um, but it's just tough to get four. I know it's happened, but it's you know very very rare. It has happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I mean, it, I happened when I, yeah when I was in Detroit. It happened when Ben Wallace, yeah. Rasheed Wallace, Chauncey Billups, and Rip Hamilton all got in, but they had the best record in the NBA. And that was like the the definition of like team ball, you know, like you had right. the best record, and it was hard. It was like hard to figure out who deserved it more than others because they all just played their role so well. That team, um, and to this day, it's hard to find a team that really mimics them in terms of. They all had well. Obviously, they had all-star caliber players, but they just didn't have those bona fide superstars 
Now Ben Walsh was the best shot blocker in the league and Rip Hamilton was one of the hardest guys to guard because he would just run nonstop. Chauncey Billups was a top point guard for how many years? Um, and um, who are we missing? Prince? No, you had Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, Chauncey Billups, oh, Rasheed. Rip Hamilton. Rasheed, thank you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean that, that team, I get it. But um, I'm going to ask those guys the same question because I just think it's hard. It, it, it's it, What's going to be hard for Derek White too is just the talent at the guard position. Right. It's, not, it's not a knock on Derek White at all. It's just there are some legit superstars that are going to get you know, Halliburton, you know, like guys like that, that are just gonna, uh, get it. So, um, yeah. And you've had some, you've had some other folks like golden state, you know, that when they've had like, you know, Steph, Clay, Draymond, Kevin Durant, uh, all those guys got in. So it's, it, it's definitely possible. But again, the teams that typically get that number are the teams with the best record and arguably the best team from, from top, certainly top heavy. Uh, but, Typically from top to bottom, the, the favorites to win it all. So, um, all right, Amit, Amit's gonna cue us up. Amit, Amit's got a uh, clip for us from Joe. Uh, the guys are in the lot. We're in the. Uh oh, what did my boy uh, Gary Washburn do now? Little, little, little Missoula Joe, um, Missoula Gary back and forth. But I think they need to have their own show. They need to have their own show. This might Joe and Gary. Amit, are you gonna do this or am I gonna do this? You just kind of want to get out of the way. You just want to move forward. I mean, it, all, all the attention. I love you, Gary. Yeah, thank you. I love you too, Joe. All the all the attention on this game. You have basically nothing to gain, everything to lose. And is it? Is Why would we have nothing to gain from winning a basketball game? We had we actually we learned more from that game than we did probably playing the four games on the West Coast trip. Okay, that's an opportunity to build like a mindset and like toughness. And so like to me, it's like we have everything to gain in this and. You talk about the in-season tournament creating something. How about the level of like stress and pressure and anxiety that you felt in that arena today? Like to me, we gained a ton from tonight's game. And I thought it was an awesome opportunity, and we said that at halftime of like we have an opportunity to build toughness, to build a mindset. Um, you know, were the players uh, at halftime? Obviously, they were a little disappointed. Were they upset? Did you have to say a lot, or because it seemed like the defense? Ratchet up, everything just yeah. changed yeah. in the third quarter. Uh, no, I mean I think they got like they got it out of their system. Like I said, if we were playing against any other team, like I think we got out of their system. Like I said, we I showed them the paint points, I showed them the layups we gave up, I showed them the second chance points we gave up, and I showed them each coverage that didn't work because we weren't trying hard. And then I said, let's pick one and let's try hard at it. And then uh, I said, we'll just continue to make plays. Okay, so there you have it. There's, okay. there's love, love between the two. They I love, love you, Gary. We I know, love you too, Joe. <laughs> we know Joe likes to say that he loves his his players, and now Gary can include himself in that mix. Exactly. I, I know what Gary is saying. He's basically saying, you know, going into this game, you know, they're a 17-point favorite. You, no one's going to care if you win the way you're supposed to win. Everyone's going to care if you lose. So that's kind of what Gary was getting at. Maybe he didn't get a chance to word it the way he wanted to, but the Celtics made it a game worth learning a lesson right because of the way that they came out so Which, that's kind of what they can take from is it yeah they put themselves in that hole uh, they put they gave themselves that adversity and to their credit they dug themselves out and there was a lot of pressure that they added on to that but at the end of the day when you look at the you know if you're just looking at the win-loss record beating the worst team in the league isn't going to matter much but it was the way that they had to do it which yeah you can definitely take a lesson out of that 
And that's I think that that's Joe Missoula's mindset with this one is just that, look, we didn't play our best game and we put ourselves in a position where and Joe wouldn't say this, but this is a game that they would have lost last year. And and we've we've had a lot of games this year where they've played a certain way, where they put themselves in, in positions and predicaments that last year's team would not have been able to navigate their way out of. Whereas this team, not only are they able to kind of get back into the game, but they're able to go ahead and win. And in some instances, win going away. This was a game that they would have absolutely caught an L last year in, mm-hmm. uh, but they found a way to do it. And I, I give you know the mental toughness that Joe talks about that is important. Uh, that it is important that these guys uh, be challenged right. and, and forced to really lock in mentally. Cause you know, that, that 19 point lead that Detroit had at the half was down to about 12 points in like three or four minutes. And it was down to single digits in like five or six minutes. And, you know, at, at the end of the quarter, it was tied up. I mean, they, they were able to methodically get back into the game and they didn't seem pressured. They didn't seem rushed. They didn't seem over anxious. They were just simply started balling out, mm-hmm. not making turnovers, making shots, doing what they've been doing all season long defensively. And it, you know, Detroit did what Detroit has been doing, unfortunately, for the last couple of months. And they wilted under the heat and pressure that good teams put on them. Uh, and, and Kind so- of. Well, they did. They I, gave did. Them a little credit. I gave them a little credit. They were down six, like what, the final minute of regulation or final two minutes, and they did come back to tie it. Yeah. But yeah, they also found a way to lose, which I think happens when um, you know, you're know you a losing team. It starts to become your identity. Right. I think we got Joe Sway joining us in a minute. But before we do, I want to give a shout out to our great sponsors. And then we cannot forget HelloFresh, Sherrod, HelloFresh.com slash CLNS free. And that would give you a free breakfast for life, Sherrod. I know you're man, a breakfast listen, guy. I, I, I you grew up eating Wheaties, but I'll tell you what, HelloFresh's breakfast is going to do a lot more for you. They got some amazing options. And, and and if you're not like a big you know breakfast foodie person, the smoothies, woo-hoo, yeah. woo-hoo, yes, okay. yes. I mean, HelloFresh has got some great options for you, great options. So Love that. Can't so, go wrong with them. You want to, yeah. So again, it's farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients, seasoned recipes delivered right to your doorstep. So you don't have to fight. You know, it's, there's nothing worse than fighting, like, especially at the holidays, fighting through people at the grocery store, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to get your, your, your eggnog or, or your, you know, your, your prime rib, your steak, just take as least amount of trips as you can go, go do your holiday shopping once and worry about the meals. Let HelloFresh worry about your meals for you. They just deliver it straight to your door. Um, so again, you, 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 that's 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 pretty much all I have to say about HelloFresh. We use it. We love it. Get it. It's easy. You get home from a, a a late night at work. Maybe you want to sneak in a gym session. You don't have time to go cook all this stuff. HelloFresh does the work for you. They give you all the ingredients. So go to HelloFresh.com/slash/CLNS-free. Use the code CLNS-free and get free breakfast for life. I know Bobby is like swimming in muffins from his free breakfast. Um, Joe Sway, uh, I want to say that Joe Sway is a big breakfast guy, but we'll bring him on. We'll let him, we'll let him give us, uh, his, his word. Bro, Sway, you big breakfast guy? Huge breakfast guy, man. Classic Great breakfast. Answer. Give me some eggs, some toast, oh, a little bacon. Yeah, yeah. Easy on the me. toast, easy on the carbs, but we like eggs. We're pro eggs here. Joe Sway. Big time. We are also. If you don't pro- like eggs, you're weird. If you don't like eggs, you are weird. Put that on Joe Sway's gravestone. <laughs> First thing I ever cooked myself. I cooked for myself. Still, still probably the only thing, right? 
It's one of like ten things. That's honestly. like my dad. If my dad ever has, has to cook his own dinner, it's just eggs. Like we just. <laughs> yeah. Once I had that down, it was one of those things we'll where come like, up with like how he actually wanted it, but it's like no, like you just that's that's the only choice. So. Oh yeah. Man. Different Can't versions. Different versions. Sunny side up. Over. Anyways, we'll go on and on about eggs. Joe Sway. Yeah, I do a whole podcast and some eggs, but yeah, good idea, Jimmy. Just keep it moving. Celtics in overtime tonight. We we've been hitting on all the key players. We we we're gonna get to them all. But just your overall thoughts on how this game sort of unfolded. Slow start. Different team in the second half. I'm sure you were there for. Uh, you know, I imagine you might have been there for Missoula, and if not, yeah, for in the sure. locker room. So, what did those guys have to say? Uh, Missoula, man. One of the quotes that that stuck with me that I like what he said was uh, in, in this game, and I think this this should go for any championship caliber team. Like your, your feelings have to be fleeting. Like, you can't stay in your feelings, you know. 19-point deficit, you know, history is on the line here for the Detroit Pistons. And the Celtics didn't have time for that, you know. They had to focus. Mm -hmm. They had to regroup. And that's exactly what they did in the second half. So, I like how Joe Mazzullo worded that. And uh, eventually talking about how he showed these guys examples of, of not executing uh, hard enough on defense. You know what I mean? Like, uh, the, the type of effort that the Detroit Pistons, you know, obviously a team that's desperate for a win right now is, is going to give you – the all they got in that first half and that certainly was the case but the Celtics just kind of going through their uh, offense not the with, with enough force especially on the defensive end of the floor so you know what he had to say at halftime certainly uh sparks his team to play the right way but guys like Tatum and Porzingis man they took it to another level and if you ask me Tatum getting it done on both ends of the floor probably one of his more impressive performances of the season if you ask me uh just because of how much he had to do and the, the way he did it it wasn't any panic mode and yeah there were certain stretches where you didn't like the way they were sort of handling their uh offensive execution especially when they were uh the way they started that overtime you got a little people got a little worried in here but for the most part they made the right choices especially getting Porzingis going in the paint you know uh exploring mismatches just knowing how to read the defense which is something that he's been talking about for weeks and the fact how you know you don't go into a game saying i gotta do this one thing you wait to see how things play out and then you react which has been the case for tatum as he continues to progress in that regard as a leader essentially I mean, this this the Celtics team doesn't win this game without that type of leadership and, and this is that game where i feel like tatum this is one of those games where we'll be pointing really? to months this is months, a tatum game for you Months from now, we'll be pointing at Tatum. Well, in terms of his leadership, for sure. I mean, Porzingis was – Porzingis, is the, totally Porzingis is the player of the game for sure. But the way Tatum led in this, man, like you, you couldn't have asked for more. Five steals on defense, man. He was everywhere. Wow. Dude, five steals on a team that was basically saying, here you go, Merry <laughs> Christmas. This yeah. was a post-Christmas They got comfortable in the first Detroit. half. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing about this, this game. T Tatum had a great second half. I, I will not take anything away from that. But part of the reason why they weren't very good in the first half was because of Jason Tatum. That's true. Uh, and Hey, the halftime thing. That's, that's what it was. Yeah, I mean, this was a – Tatum, the Celtics, as a team, they were completely different in the second half. They were a better team. They looked like the best team in the NBA in the second half. That's why they were able to take a 19-point halftime deficit and literally wipe it all away in one quarter. Uh, and they didn't even – and the thing about it, in the third quarter, they played really well. But they were by no means near flawless in their play in that quarter. And that's – to me, that was the scary part about this game. The Celtics played – a little bit better than they did in the first half, and they wiped out a 19-point deficit. The one thing they did that was significantly different was turnovers. They just didn't turn the ball over as much. Tatum, as we all know, is a big turnover guy. 
He's a big points guy. He gets a lot of assists now, gets a lot of rebounds. He also gets a lot of turnovers. When he is being efficient and impactful without turning the ball over, this team is scary good. And I thought that he showed glimpses of that in the second half, more glimpses of that in the second half, certainly than we saw in the first. But if when I think back to this game, I think back to Porzingis's play, obviously. I think back to Derek White at the start of the fourth quarter where Tatum and Porzingis were on the bench and Tatum, or excuse me, with Derek White was carrying them offensively. And to me, Tatum was like maybe the third guy in terms of impact in this game. I thought Porzingis, Derek third. White, and then Tatum. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. Derek White was huge in that overtime, but why yeah. did he get so many open looks? Because the Detroit Pistons kept collapsing on, on Tatum. And I feel like he was making, whether it was the hockey assist or making the uh, the direct assist, he was making the right play. You know, I, I felt like he didn't. Yes, you look at his box score and his, the way he shot the ball. It wasn't, it was it was cold. It was it was ice cold at times. However, he impacted the game in other ways. You know, I just think it's one of those games that's going to stand out for sure. But yeah, Porzingis is the player of the game, but I, I don't I don't think this... I don't think you wipe away that comeback in the first what six minutes of that third quarter. That third quarter, yeah, that, that without was Tatum, shot, for sure. Tatum right out of halftime, he just it's like it clicked. You know, it's the second half Tatum, what we've been talking about all season long. I mean, look, these guys combined for what twenty three points in that in that third quarter. Eleven for Tatum, twelve for Porzingis. I mean, yeah, they they both played a part, but I felt like it was it really did come down to Tatum's leadership because that's what is going to happen. That's bound to happen, especially in a game where you don't have Jalen Brown. This is the thing about Tatum, though, and and, I, and I'll, I'm gonna give it off to Jimmy after this, and I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it be. Tatum is so good that on a game like this, where he was really good in the second half, that's not his top level. There are so many more levels that Tatum has the ability to reach that we did not see in the second half, and he was good in the second half. I'm not saying he sucked. He was good. But Tatum is better than what we saw in the second half. And that's my issue with him. On opportunities and nights like this where you're the best team in the league and you're playing the crappiest team in the league, you don't give them any signs of hope that they can play with you if you're the best player on the best team. This was pretty good Tatum we saw in the second half. I don't need – pretty good Tatum can come back and beat Detroit and it go to overtime. Really good Tatum, great Tatum – Great Tatum drops 45 points on, on them, and this game is never less. Their lead never dwindles to less than 10, 12 points. Mm -hmm. That's what great Tatum would have done. Uh, this was pretty good Tatum, but great Tatum is what I was hoping to see, especially with Jalen Brown out. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, I think. How about smart Tatum, Sherrod? You know, I think like, he's always smart. A, a year ago, a year ago, he's trying to put this team on his back. And, and obviously, yeah, you don't have Porzingis, which is I was going to say, the town's factor. a little different than from a yeah, year ago. Yeah, it's a big factor. Drew Holiday was big in this one as, as well. You know, mm -hmm. those guys. But having the the, the knowledge to, to not only, you know, use those guys, but in the in the heat of the moment, you know, when the game is not someone – it wasn't on the line, but there was a lot of pressure, obviously. Something's going to want to drop this one. And I felt like he, he – took on that pressure and made the right decisions when it mattered. And then got Porzingis going. Other guys got going as well. But it wasn't one of those things where he's like, okay, now give me the ball back. I got to close this thing out. No, he kept reading the defense and he kept, you know, making the the, the right critical decisions that time that got other guys going. He was pretty good. I think – Smart I, Tatum. I think there's two there's two halves to Tatum like tonight and they're just like kind of like it was the Celtics. And it makes sense. He's going to lead the team. Whether people like it or not, he's going to be the leader of this team. As, as yeah. good – as great as Derek White's playing, and a lot of people can say that Derek White might be their best player right now, as effective and as amazing as Porzingis has looked on this team, all those things are great. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Tatum and then Brown. That's just the pecking order right now. That being said, 
with great power comes great responsibility. And it's Tatum's responsibility to not allow his team to come out as flat as they did, as sloppy as they did. The, the Detroit Pistons, 27 losses in a row, were out there working twice as hard as the Celtics were. Facts, the, my dog. Thank you. And the Celtics. <laughs> oh, you knew you knew that's a real one? You knew he was listening to you on that one? <laughs> Even if he wasn't, I'll take it. But, you know, I give, I give the Celtics credit for snapping out of it and something that Missoula had said to them. Basically, and Joe said we, we we played a clip of it already. The back and not the back and forth, but the conversation between him and Gary about um, you know this game not really meaning anything for them, or that wasn't what he said. But the point was, yeah, but it meant everything to the Pistons, right. and it wasn't really anything to get out of for this for the Celtics. But the way the Celtics came out, put themselves in that hole, forced them to dig down deep and find something within themselves to make that comeback. And I think, yes, Tatum was a big part of that in that third quarter. Then you had Derek White contributing later in the game. And obviously in overtime, you had Porzingis. Horford hit a huge three in that corner that had everybody fired up. Um, And Holiday was just Holiday, you know, solid. Did the best he could out there on defense, as he always does. Cunningham had a great game. And I think, you know, they probably let him a little too open at points. And to Cunningham's credit, he hit those shots. And it was one of his probably best shooting nights of his career. but I, you got to give Tatum the criticism, but you also have to at least acknowledge that it wasn't like they just completely threw in the towel in that second half. They staged a really great comeback against a bad team that was susceptible to being punched, and they punched them enough times where they started to stumble. A, a better team, Sherrod, the Celtics don't get that chance. They don't get that no. opportunity. And, and I think that was probably in the back of their minds that they, you know, we can turn it on at some point. Yeah, but against a team like if you played the way they played in the first half, if you play like that against a team like Milwaukee, for example, you're oh, gonna you lose can. by you're gonna lose by six or seven uh, because well, you may be able to, you're gonna be down by thirty at halftime. That's what, right, yeah. right. You, you, and you'll you'll lose that game against a team like Philadelphia. You'll probably lose that game, although eh, eh, maybe not. Uh, if Maxi goes off, how about that? <laughs> right. But, but, but the, the, well, the point is that there are very few teams that you can spot them 19 points lead in the first half and wipe that lead out in the third and go into basically the fourth quarter, you know, starting from zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, I just I just don't think you should put yourself in that position, in that predicament. And no, I, 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 problem, I, sure. I get the point that, that Joe Mazzulla is making about building mental toughness because that is important. And you need to have some games where you don't play your best and you put yourself in a bad predicament and you got really one or two choices. You either, you know, you either find a way to fight out of that hole and, and emerge victorious or you just keep getting your ass kicked and go home with that fat L. Uh, and they chose to fight. And they fought back and they got the win and that's great. But I just think that there's only there's you don't need to exert more energy than you should. This is this is the worst team in the NBA and they took your ass to overtime in your building. In your building. I'm sorry, but the worst team in the NBA should not be taking the best team in the NBA to overtime in their building. That and- it could it can be a close win. We can go for it, but overtime. Yeah, no, it was it should not have gotten to that point. And in the first half, gotta give the Celtics fans credit. They let the Celtics hear it. We're gonna go to a bite here from Porzingis, and I think this might come up. Good for them. It was, it was unbelievable. No, it's, it's like I love the contrast from especially the, the uh, atmosphere from the first to second half and and 
I think um, the best part about it is it's not as much maybe about us you know, making the shots or not, but just us playing hard. And that's what the fans appreciate. And, and that was really cool to see. <clears throat> so Celtics fans who... That's right. Tell them, Chris Stapps, a win's a win. Oh, yeah. I think what, what Porzingis, Porzingis was saying, like, guys, you know I had six points at halftime, right? Fans are going to call the Celtics out on their bullshit. If they're at the game exactly, and they're losing the way they're losing. And That's why they were booing. Playing, there was booze in there. That's exactly why they were booing. And they should. They should. Porzingis essentially is one guy was pissed. tipping his cap to them and saying, we, we hear you. And we're going to have to come up differently and, and turn those booze around. And to their credit, they did. Joe Sway, speaking of Porzingis, um, just a, a really all-around great game from him. Uh, probably their most consistent player tonight, I would say. But, again, um, you know, there were obviously in, in and out in, in tonight's type of game because it was so different. But, again, 35 points from him. Just you see him after the game. He's all smiles. We talked about it earlier in the show. It just seems like a guy that – I think Sherrod said he's – what was the word you used, Sherrod? Recalibrated? Yes, the recalibrated, yeah. Yeah. recalibrated, revived. What, I think it's, what yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it's because of this role and obviously the success and and the way the Celtics team is playing. I mean, he's never had this type of success in the NBA level, and he's a huge part of it. And I think he knows that as the year progresses. You know, whether it's a the the, the win in LA, what he what we saw in the second half, where things just really started to turn around when he started to throw the ball inside, or whether it was in this one, just the fact that they kept running the offense through him, and I felt like it just drew up mismatches down low that they were able to, you know, obviously um, take advantage of and, and chip away at this lead as quickly as they did. Now, give Detroit Pistons credit, obviously, because by the end, they obviously had to keep fighting in order to force overtime. So you, you, you credit them for that. But, man, Porzingis just provides so many obstacles for opposing teams, I feel like, and especially down the stretch. It's like they stay consistent. They stay steady, poised. You know, it, it doesn't waver. And a lot of those rebounds that they were giving up before – you know, overtime, they were starting to regroup in, in those last, like, what, three minutes before the Detroit Pistons were about to make it a two-possession game. So I just feel like all that is so, like, it's such an advantage for the Celtics team when you have someone like that on your side who's obviously been, you know, not criticized, but somewhat uh, a lot of – he's taken a lot of criticism throughout his career, if you think about it. But the last couple of years, he's kind of been out of that limelight. So I just feel like, yeah, that smile, he, he still can't wipe it off his face, you know, after after a, after Christmas and, and after a win like this where he was the guy. You know, I, I'm not surprised that he, he said what he said. I just think he's just taking this taking it all in, this experience, and, and playing for a championship caliber team like this. It's just it, it's very overwhelming, but in a good way for him. What's the what's – the, if you had to pick one reason, Sherrod, that – we're seeing this version of Porzingis, what, or the biggest reason, what what would it be? I, I think it would be the position and role that he's asked to play now. You know, when he was in Dallas, when he was in New York, it was like, we are going to lean on you heavily every single night. Right. You have to be really good every single night for us to be really good. Here in Boston, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum are probably going to be better than you most nights. We're going to look to them, carry us more times than now. But every now and then – we're going to need to ride your back. We're going to lean on you. We're going to we're going to treat you like the max salary player that you are. And Porzingis, I think, embraces that role. It's just it's like being it's like being told that every now and then we're going to have to have you run the department. But for most of the time, you're just going to be employer with employee ID six, two, seven, two, four, four. 
And he's just like, okay, cool. I'm going to get like manager money, but be a, a worker most more times than not. I can do that. And on nights like this, they needed him to be New York Porzingis, Dallas Porzingis, that guy that we went to down the stretch consistently to help us win this game. Mm-hmm. And to his credit, he did that. Now, the one, the big, the other reason why he's so much more comfortable in this role is because even when he's asked to be the centerpiece, he's got so much talent around him that he can play off of that talent and that talent can play off of him, which will make his job easier. So for Przingis, you are literally in basketball nirvana right now. (laughs) Everything you could possibly want as a player you're getting. You're getting max money. You're getting a great team with little to no pressure on a night-in, night-out basis. But every now and then they're going to lean on you to be that man, to be that guy. And you're like, okay, I can do that against the worst team in the NBA. Yeah, I can do that. So, again, if you're wondering why he's always smiling, think about all those factors I just gave you. Money, less pressure, great team. Right. Some people. Damn, man, Sherrod really hates the Detroit Pistons. Jeez. <laughs> no, Sherrod's got all love. You've gone, you've gone everywhere. You've gone. You, you've almost called them a damn G League team, man. You're like, this is the bad, Detroit man. Pistons. Yeah, Listen, they're pretty man, bad. I, Sherrod well, remembers the glory days, man. That's the thing. See, Joshua, I have the perspective of being in Detroit when they were balling. They were rolling to Boston and actually have a chance to win, and it wouldn't be a shock if they did. No. Uh, those, days, those days are gone. <laughs> Sharad's like, yo, Chauncey Billups not walking through that door. Nah, no. Rip Hamilton ain't walking through that, walk through that door. Nah, Eldon Campbell ain't even walking through that door. <laughs> Eldon Campbell. Come on. I want to I put this comment up because it, it, <laughs> that was a great championship team, man. I do think it's interesting, and I was I was thinking this similarly. How would the narrative change tonight if the Celtics lost this game? Let's say that they lose in whether it's regulation or overtime, they don't pull it off. We're Tatum's not, not a leader. Not, why, yeah. why didn't they execute better? It would have fell all on Tatum's shoulders. Yeah, it would have been a, a great game from for uh, Przingis wasted. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, yeah. You guys wasted yeah. that. But uh, would, would, there have been, would there have been any sort of cause for concern that this team lacks the – I mean, it would have been embarrassing. No, That's obvious. It would have been, it would have been it, super embarrassing for them to lose. The best team in the league losing to a historically bad team. And there would have been mm-hmm. no excuse, no yeah. – you know, none, all that stuff. And it would have been – I'm sure everything they would have been laughed at and, and, and everything. But is there any oh, no would there question. have been anything more to it? Or what if we just said shots weren't falling, Celtics uh didn't show up, they 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 took their opponent too lightly. And would we say, well, listen, you know, yeah, they still lack that killer mentality. Is that something that we would be concerned about? I wouldn't be concerned about it. I, I the, to me, the, the bigger issue would have been they simply didn't take this team seriously. They did not take them seriously. And I don't care what – and, and there, there's a part of human emotion where that's expected. When you are at the top of the mountain mm-hmm. in terms of NBA teams and you're looking at this team that they're not even in the valley. They're like in the, the mud below the valley. That's what the Pistons are right now. They, they, they're, they're not even <laughs> on the radar. They're, they're that bad. I mean, pl- playing game, that's like the ceiling for them at this point, which is sad. But it's it's. Sorry, I think it's – yeah, I think it's I, I think it's a it's a very realistic emotion to take them lightly, but to take them so lightly that you actually get your ass kicked at home and you have a winning streak that extends more than 20 games at home snapped by the worst team, not just the worst team in the NBA, but the historically the worst team historically right. in the NBA. 
That's, uh, that would have been the issue. Yeah. That would have. Yeah. It, it, again, if it were just a bad, like if this were like the Washington Wizards or you know another team that's near the bottom of the standings, it would have been like okay, bad loss. You you didn't take them seriously. No big deal. But to lose to a Detroit team at this point, yeah, I, it's mm mm mm. And yeah, I, I, I hope that. I think next game, I think, is that they're going at Toronto, I believe, over the weekend. Uh, so hopefully they can get break this night. Because if they play the way they did tonight Tomorrow. against Toronto, they'll win that game. They'll win that game by like 10. We get a back-to-back on our hands, Sherrod. So you're yeah, not going to have Horford tomorrow. Yeah, and Toronto um, was, was sitting, you know, in they're here in Boston just chilling, waiting for their game tomorrow. Um, but see, this is, the thing, this is the weird thing about this damn Celtics team, though. These are the games where – Conventional wisdom tells you they're going to have a tough time. But conventional wisdom the Celtics team tells me that they're probably going to blow the Raptors out the water and beat them by like 15 <laughs> or 20 points. Because think about it. You played a really good playing Sacramento team without your best player. Not only did you beat them, you beat the brakes off of them. Like they, like they stole your lunch money for fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. <laughs> and you came back in seventh grade. You Damn, know, yo, that's the worst bully of all time. Damn, dude. You're giving me PTSD right now, man. He followed you to middle school? Damn. I was like, Jimmy, you okay, Jimmy? You Damn, okay? dude, I can't. Yeah, trigger warning, man. Anybody watching at home that went through that. But listen, Jimmy's dude. like, uh, just wait till, wait till I get taller. He went to seventh grade. He went to <laughs> seventh yeah, grade. Yeah, where are my gross first kids in? Yeah, they beat the crap out of them without their best player, and and that's I I would not be surprised if if they beat Toronto handily tomorrow. Would not shock me at all. All right, well, that's how you're supposed to bounce back, right? If you're a yeah. championship caliber team, and even though that one, if you ask me, was obviously off of the Golden State Warriors loss, where you know you lost in overtime, you let Steph Curry do the sleeping thing, which he hasn't done in a while. So uh, yeah, you know you probably had that that feeling. A little extra juice going into that one, but you should have somewhat of the same thing here. Again, you didn't lose, but you you escaped with a win here in overtime against the Detroit Pistons team. Now you can regroup. You see what what happened. You know, the story of two halves, as as people as, as you know, coaches like to say, and, and you you're gonna go in with that with that same energy, especially on the second night of a back to back. It really wouldn't shock me, Sherrod. You know Show that happens. What um who would you talk to in the locker room tonight? What they have to say? What was the vibe? Man, I hopped out of Missoula and I oh, came, I came to, straight okay, here. I yeah, sure. yeah. I don't care if you snuck in there or what. Okay, so we got Bobby in the locker room. I just texted Bobby to see if he's going to make an appearance on the show. We're going to go, awesome. yeah. go a little bit longer, but we do have a back-to-back tonight. And this game will be gone and forgotten in less than 24 hours because that's how the NBA season rolls. Um, that's probably how the Celtics want it to be and certainly how uh, the Pistons want it to be, I'm sure, too. I don't know where they go next, but. It's going to be a long season for them. Um, Josue, we haven't, you haven't talked about White much tonight, but me and Sherrod went in depth about him um, a little bit earlier. And just the level of basketball he's playing right now, and Amit took the liberty to, to slide All-Star. Derek All-Star White, okay. Derek All-Star White. And, I, again, this is a game where it's just another sort of, I think, highlight. If, you're, if the Celtics are going to put together a little package and trying to convince – um, you know, these coaches around the league to vote for their guy, they might find a couple clips in here. Um, and again, slow start to the game for him. For whatever reason, I hope somebody asked him, he, he changed his sneakers at halftime. And I was I was watching the first half, and it looked like he was falling, or falling out there. I don't know if, he, if the grips on those red sneakers weren't any good, but he 
hopefully burned him at halftime. He came out with a new pair, and he was just a different player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. He, he he changed things, especially in that overtime. I just feel like as the game progresses, teams tend to forget about Derek White. You know, and what I mean by that is the sneaky steals in the backcourt, or the offensive rebounding, or the backdoor cuts. I mean, that was inexcusable. That layup in overtime, or was it overtime in the fourth quarter? I think it was overtime. Um, the and one, you know, like those opportunities that are there for him, like he's seeking those, you know, and, and that's just something that I feel like it's just uh, all the credit to him, obviously, in his progression as a player, but also you know, adapting to new guys like Porzingis and Drew Holiday, you know, obviously yeah. in, impact guys are going to impact the offense, but he's always going to find a way to make his you know, make his impact, you know, and, and I just think this is another ex example of that, but he's been doing this for about a, since before the, uh, the West coast road trip. So I just think this type of, um, this type of focus right now, I don't see it going away anytime soon. Derek White has just been, you know, call him the X factor if you want, but sometimes he's a, he's a reason why they, the Celtics are able to survive and, and, and come out with these wins. Yeah. We gotta, we're going to go to Derek White right now. Joe said your halftime conversation was you guys agreeing that was your worst half of your career in the first half, and then trying to laugh it off. So, did you agree with that statement? And then how did you laugh it off in the second half? Yeah, um, I mean he didn't even have to tell me. Um, I knew that. Uh, I don't know. It was just anything that could go wrong was going wrong for me there, and um, I mean, it was just a, a rough first half. So, um, just take those, that 15 minutes to kind of reset again and get back after it. Hey, he's right. It was it was ugly. I mean, and it, and it showed. And and, it, yeah. and also, Sherrod, you said you wanted to see what it's like, what the Celtics are like when Derek White's not out there. You saw what they were like when he's not, really not Derek White, and it and it was not pretty uh, the way that first half went. And so, uh, good on good on them for figuring it out, and I guess switching the sneakers up. Maybe that really was it. If that's your story, Jimmy, Jimmy you're gonna stick with it. Jimmy's so no, no, no. He's just happy that he he's the only one talking about this. Like it's like, yo, you guys all missed it, but uh, no, Scally mentioned it. Sneak by me. Scally oh, mentioned it. Podcast. I was pissed because I thought I was the only one who mentioned it, but he probably, <laughs> he probably just saw my tweet. To be honest, if we're if we're being honest, there you but, go. Josue, I asked you a question. I'm not gonna tell you what his answer was, but what question? Let's say the Celtics can send three players to the all-star game who are your three players oh man you're killing me man you're gonna make me on the spot right now if i you gotta answer, none of them go so i gotta leave my boy white out the mix man i'm sorry i, I would i would love to see it but okay this is this is my take on this whole Derek Woo. white all-star thing Wow. If, if one of the top guards Bruce in the Way East, hates Derek White. Put if, that, <laughs> don't, don't send that out there, that narrative. If if one of these top top guards in the East cannot make it, and I'm talking about the Halliburtons, I'm talking about the Maxis, I'm talking about uh, Brunson, you know, like, then Derek White should get his name called. But I, I just, right now, right now, if the All-Star game was this weekend, I just think he can't beat out those guys, you know, but there's still time. There's still plenty of time, you know, but mm -hmm. the three is for me is you already know it's Tatum Brown and, and Porzingis. Porzingis is having, is having one heck of a season. And I think all three of those guys deserve it. Uh, you know, all-star selections. Do you go, jo do you go? Oh, sure. What you got? No, I was just going to say, Joe Sway, th those were very astute selections you made there. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm who are you going to leave out of those guards, man? There's too many, there's too many top tier guards in the this, east right now, man. To your point, Joseph, I think what I think what will wind up happening if the Celtics continue to just kind of pull away from the rest of the pack in the east, it'll put 
the assistant or excuse me, it'll put the coaches who vote for the reserves in the precarious position of deciding, am I going to go with this really good guard on this mediocre team or am I going to go with the glue guy on a team with the best record in the NBA? And I think they're going to go with the mediocre card on or the really good guard on the mediocre team. And I think Derek White becomes like basically the first player picked if someone is unable to go. Exactly. He, what I was remember, trying to say. Because yeah. remember Al Horford, that was I mean, one of the last times Al Horford was named to an Austin team. That's exactly what happened. And people were um, pissed. Remember that, Sherrod? Yeah. yeah oh, because, he's only putting up 16 and 7 or whatever his yeah. numbers were at the time. And it's just like, yeah. It, exactly. it was the All-Star game in Toronto. I remember because Al had like this, I think, uh, Caribbean cruise plan. And then he turned around and had the cold-ass Toronto. Are you serious? I said, damn. <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, I might have. If I were Al, I might have just said thanks but no thanks for that, that particular <laughs> i honor. got but, some uh, deep pain too yeah yeah but uh i mean, yeah, I, mean look, I didn't even I mention that, donovan i didn't even mention donovan mitchell guys like geez, there's a yeah. lot of guards there's, there's, there are. it's it's not yeah it's, it's an uphill battle i i think the argument is just whether damian lillard now he's in the east jeez like, don't forget your, don't, your teammate jalen I mean, I, so is he a guard this year, Sharon? See, how does that work? Because it, it, he shouldn't be not this year with Drew in the mix. Drew and uh and White is the you know the backcourt. That's interesting. It's weird, and I, I one of them is because he's always out, right? he's always been a guard. That's, that's right. True. That's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I mean, I, I hope I hope that he's a forward because that gives a guy like you know Derek a shot, but it also yeah. might impact a guy like Porzingis if 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 Jalen's a guard. If he's a guard, that's true. Yeah, so. Someone's going. Someone might get screwed. Um, I'm trying to look to see if which I can happens every that. year, right? Like, right? It's just, it's just too many great. For some players. reason, I think Jalen is a guard. I still think they have Jalen as a guard, though. For some reason. I mean, I'm sure they got the ballots out, so yeah, they probably yeah, do the, because he's always been listed as a guard. I'm yeah, looking I'm at the ballots now. I just, I'm doing it on my damn phone. It's freaking annoying. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I. So, so Joe Sway. What's up? What else jumped out to you about this game that we haven't hit on yet? I want to ask Joe Sway one more thing, Sherrod. Okay. Because so. you, you went a little bit further in your in your response, Sherrod, on the All-Star debate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you, I think you – and Brown is a forward guy, so Brown's going to be – Yeah, I think this is the first year he'll be – he's listed as a forward. He's a forward this year. So, um, Joe Sway, give me your, give me your order of All-Stars on the Celtics this year, from one to three, since you say three are going to go. One to three. Ooh. Um, who's, your, who, who, who's first? Who's your second option? Who's number three? Uh, number one, I'm gonna go to Jason Tatum. Okay. Uh, I don't know everyone in the comment section doesn't like him today, but he's still number one, guys. Uh, number right, two. Um, number two, I gotta go. Man, I gotta go Jalen, especially what he's been doing the last couple of weeks. But that could change in a month and a half. You know, Porzingis is like right there. Like it's not even like it's like a that lot much can change. Of a yeah, a lot can change. But all three better better be heading to uh, Indianapolis, man. I think if if all three stay in the court, I think that's an automatic that they that they will go, all three will be going there. Yeah, um, and, and right, and Porzingis hasn't missed enough games to where I think his you know that'll be an issue. I don't think that's gonna right, be an issue. which is good. Yeah. Um, what you guys think of the bench tonight? I mean, there was a stretch. I was there. gonna bring that up. Yeah. Yeah, Josue, why don't you why don't you start us off with a little bench talk since we haven't talked about them at all tonight. Um, but there was some there was some mixed mixed production out there as we've seen in the past. I mean, the real thing that stands out to me was <laughs> the three straight misses from I know uh, from Pritchard. I know. But he made everything else, oh, almost everything else after I that. Know. Right? 
of course, I'm only thinking about the ones that you missed. But overall, just we just you know, any, anybody stand out to you tonight out there, or just in general? Um, I mean, yeah, a couple of guys stood out, but I wouldn't say that they had a huge, you know, didn't have fingerprints on the win. But I, I thought that there were times where, where Pritchard got a couple of shots going that kind of woke the team back up again. Like, hey guys, let's keep going here, especially in that uh, dreadful first half mm-hmm. where the offense was just not you know, just not executing and, and just making just terrible reads, if you ask me, man. There's some of these turnovers where I felt like it, they were just the passing it into double teams and, you know, between Derek White and Drew Holiday, they each had a couple of ugly turnovers and, you know, Tatum chucking three-pointers. I feel like Pritchett kind of, um, you know, wasn't chucking threes. You know, he, he he got a couple of go – he got a couple to go his way that kind of, like, switched the momentum a bit. Um, I know it wasn't a whole lot. Oh, we played 20 minutes today, but – I like Kata's energy, man. I just think he's someone that um, just impacts the the, the the paint, you know, um, you know the rebounding, uh, the second chance opportunities, you know. Um, I, I just think he's going to continue to progress in that regard. I don't know if he's ready for that to get off that two way, but he could be. Uh, this this game wasn't exactly one of those convincing performances, but uh, he's certainly trending in the right direction. But those are a couple of guys that that stood out to me with the second unit. You know, Al Horford having to start uh, in this one with Jalen Brown out, so they were a bit thin, but. Um, yeah, I thought a lot of it, you know, in the second half, the, the, it was the stars that really carried the carried the load. This is not who Bobby wanted to be talking about to start the show. Not Everybody, who I expected. Not you. Well, Bobby, you're an hour and ten minutes in. We're at the we're at the Kata portion of the show. No, I, I wasn't but, expecting to see him tonight. Joe Sway knows. I'm oh. sure he mentioned that I asked pregame. <laughs> Bobby turns gonna... to me and verbatim. He goes, "Joe lied." He lied to <laughs> us. Dude, Bobby, what did you mean by that? Yeah. You spoke to Joe and asked. First question out of pregame. Go ahead. Ask Joe pregame who's going to prevail going forward, uh, these two. and <laughs> which, which, you, which you guys know means, uh, so, uh, Coach, yeah. what's up with Luke Cornette not playing the other game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what that's, that's what that translated to. Yeah, and Joe basically said, Joe said, basically <laughs> yeah, right. said, he, he, yeah, Nemeus had a great run of games. Uh, in the West Coast trip, so we want to keep him going. And he obviously didn't play great in that Christmas game. So he didn't specifically commit to Luke playing tonight, but said he's going to play. So you figure that meant as long as Cornette's healthy, he's going to be ahead of Kata in the rotation. But Cornette gets another DNP. Kata gets another 20 minutes here. So obviously they're trying to push him and help him figure out some of the struggles he's having now in terms of following and you know maybe some defensive lapses here there just because of the upside his offensive rebounding gives them uh, some really nice plays in the first half of this game and joe did credit him Brissett, pritchard for keeping them in the game early so uh, i think they like what he's given them right now and they want to see him build on some of the success he had i mean he averaged 10 and 10 through those first three games of the trip jimmy which is pretty hard to believe for a guy and horford talked about this morning who they didn't think was as prepared to give this kind of production as he looks right now. So it's a tough balance. Again, I, I keep comparing it to that Tice Rob thing. And unlike Brad, who leaned on more of the safe choice, it looks like Joe wants to unlock something here, and he's going to deal with some of the struggles and mistakes to get him where he needs to go. So we're going to do a quick reset since Bobby was kind enough to jump on with us. Bob, we'll let, we'll let you get a few takes in before we uh, all head to bed. We get another one tomorrow against Toronto. But before we do, Bobby, I mean, this is a bit of a wild game. I, I think it ended 
uh, obviously with the Celtics win the way everyone thought that it would, but the way they got there was, was certainly interesting going down. Uh, was it 21 as much as in the first half? Um, and then coming back for a 19 point halftime deficit, take us through what the hell went wrong in that first half with the Celtics, what went right for, for Detroit and what changes uh, were made to, to sort of flip the script on this one at halftime. I thought they got slowed down early. I thought they settled for jump shots when they weren't falling for them throughout the first half, particularly Tatum. I, I thought it was another rough start for Tatum, and everyone's going to be like, oh, he's getting on Tatum again. Great no. game in the end. But you look at the shooting right now, and it's just not there for him. So he is going to have to go to some of those post-Mitch matches. He is going to have to go to drives. And uh, certainly the passing was there for him in a big way in this one, almost – tying his career high which is 12 with the assists i think he finished this one with 10 so he adapted in different ways he got off the ball again late i know we talked about that on christmas that's a uh season high 10 by the way there you go yeah bobby so everyone ended- hates tatum tonight by the way but go on so this ended up being a good game for him in the end uh but a good half yeah and but- a career high tied a career did you say that already but he tied a career high five five steals by the way i thought he was both active they were giving involved. him away joe sway you heard Sherrod. No, Sherrod thinks active. Detroit's a G League team now. But, uh. <laughs> I thought he was active, involved, and when he needed to, stepped away from the play late, which was important too because they let Derek White effectively close the fourth quarter on the ball. Uh, so I, I love the way he handled the game late. I think he deserves credit for it. Joe certainly gave him credit for being willing to stand in the corner and let White and Porzingis play their two-man game there. So – I'm fine with this one. You obviously saw how they missed Jalen, too. And Joe talked a little bit pregame about how they kind of reinvented the offense uh, on the West Coast trip to play faster, to get into their sets earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, Derek was saying that they want to be you know, into their sets by, like, the 19-second mark on the shot clock, which, you know, this has been one of the slower-paced teams in the league this year. So being able to do that on the fly was incredibly effective out there. And I think in the second half – uh, they were able to do that more consistently, especially the third quarter. I mean, you have to play at a pretty high pace to overcome a 19-point deficit in uh, less than a quarter. So you're crowning Tatum tonight, 31 points on 31 shots. You're going to give him the game ball? Yeah, I think just because of how he responded. I mean, he was – Sherrod, can you believe these guys? Yes. I, they must have had a different view of the game than we did on TV tonight. I don't know what happened. Listen, Jimmy, I was as infuriated <laughs> as you watching the first half. <laughs> John Zan is yeah, heated right now. Being like Tatum, Tatum, Tatum. Now you wanna you wanna give him MVP. He did what it took to win the game, and certainly well, others had big impacts. But he allowed them to do that by getting out of the way late. But this what uh, I'm, these guys, Bobby, Bobby, credit now for getting out of the way. These guys, these guys don't like <laughs> no, adversity or something. I don't, I don't know adversity. Well, what, what I, what I like, what I like, Joe Sway is I like really good Tatum, and that was not what we saw today. We saw pretty good Tatum. This was Tatum in a pretty That's good right. game. The way he and, got out of the way. Well, the the way <laughs> Jimmy, the reason this game went into overtime was because Tatum was pretty good. He wasn't great. He wasn't good. And anyone who thinks he was good, <laughs> you, you he, said, he was he was pretty good, but he wasn't good. He wasn't, sorry. Go There's ahead. a difference. We know he wasn't being, good, Sharon. But, but he but, did but what the, they needed to do to win. But but my my here's my thing. I have a different level of expectations for Jason Tatum. Yeah, where's the almost, bar? And, and that to me is where I think where we are parting ways. I expect him on a night when you're playing the worst team in the NBA in your building 
riding a 27-game winning streak, I don't expect oh. that game to go to overtime. I expect you to be better than you were so that this game does not go to overtime. The fact that you had to rally to get it to overtime, that's not good. The fact that you won the game in itself is pretty good, but not good. Yeah, I think we can we can compartmentalize to some extent and say, well, here's what Tatum did really well in the third quarter. And, yeah, he put his guys in a position. He was awesome to in the third. He, he was, was. He was. But the first and second quarter, not so awesome. Yeah. yeah, so I think I think that would be the knock. Not so awesome. well, for the record, Porzingis is the player of the game. Just want to get that up. I agree. All right. Joe Sway says Porzingis. Bobby, we we've kind of gone around the around the uh, horn here on Porzingis and White, but I'll start with you on Porzingis. Just thoughts on him, not just tonight, but just I guess to this point in the season. I mean, we we played the clip of him um, after the game. Just he's smiling ear to ear. He's talking about how the fans basically uh, first booze the of the year. Yeah, first booze of the year. But he was pretty much said they earned it and you know they heard it and they came out and they, they they addressed it the only way that they could which is to play differently yeah that had me reminiscing with joe sway about the two years ago when there were pretty much booze every night here so uh, to have the first ones yeah. come practically last week of the year that's pretty good so yeah they knew they stunk in the first half missoula said it too and they had to come out and respond and you know i talked to him a little bit about that pace stuff because you do always wonder why they can't get to that higher pace more consistently and you know some of it comes down to not always getting satisfaction out of running the floor you might not get the ball you might not be able to get a shot off you know you might not score so it's tough to do consistently along with the energy you need to expel to play at that kind of pace consistently but I love how he's able to get involved with it of course he had the final catch uh, from Tatum down the floor and the finish Uh, that pretty much sent this place into a frenzy. So I say it every night. I'm just saying the same thing every night at this point. Like, I feel so lucky to be witnessing the season he's having. Like, it is special stuff. It feels like this is what he was supposed to be coming into the league, the stuff we're seeing him do night in and night out now. I thought he had some nice passes in this game too, but really it's just the aggressiveness. And that and one over Ivy, he's hitting those shots every time where he's flat-footed, He's at the front, free throw uh, like, line one. Yeah, he's like yeah. at the free throw line, so he's like 15 feet away from the basket. A guy's right up underneath him, and in this case, followed him, and he's still hitting these. And these yeah. were bad shots for Porzingis a year or two ago, and now he's just draining them with ease. So, I, I I'm just in awe. I really am. And yeah, you can ask for a little bit of better rebounding, maybe the defense at times. Yeah, you know, leave something to be desired. But offensively, he has changed this team. Facts, my dog. Um, and lastly, um, not lastly, but I, I definitely want to get your take on just Derek White. He, We played a clip of him basically saying he played the worst half of his career in the Celtics uh, tonight and then was able to turn things around in that second half there again, like, like some of the other guys. But his importance to the team, I mean, you could just see it night and day from half to half. Uh, and um, as we'll put up here again, and and – I should also note, I don't know if Joe Sway and Bobby know this, we have officially added Derek White to the backer of our uh, of our show. The fans were clamoring for that. Did we, did we finally is, get smart it, out of there? Wait, wait, was that the problem? <laughs> oh, it wow. is official. 
I, I removed There will be no Marcus Smart slander, Josue. No, I mean, he's, hey, not, he's not on the team anymore, okay? I will come for your kneecaps if you come after my boy Marcus Smart. Just letting you know Listen, that. Listen, he's been on that banner. I think he's still on the YouTube one. I'm like, all right, guys, he's not on the team anymore. Let I me, think uh, this means we've officially... Let me update that banner. Yeah, we've officially... Come for your kneecaps, Josue, if you're now not that, careful. Now that we have White on the banner. But, uh, Bobby, just, you know, does this guy continue to continues to make a case for uh, all-star consideration. Yeah, he's close. I feel like I wrote about it on the site uh, after the last game. I feel like he's probably one injury replacement away from uh, being able to make this team. You know, you think you're going to have the Brunsons and the Lillards, Halliburton, as well as maybe like, you know, Trey Young mixing in there, some of the bigger stats guys. But the impact here is becoming indisputable. And he's starting to add the stats to it, too. Like, if he keeps pushing closer to 20 points a game, Jimmy, that's probably in range for him to make it. You look at last year, it was another weak, weaker year for the guard class. And that allowed Drew Holiday to sneak in at around 20, you know, 19, 20 points a game. Mm-hmm. So, typically, it's going to be the guys who are scoring well over 20 points a game. He's more in, like, that 16, 17 range for the year. But since December started, he's a steady 20 and 5. And I think those are all-star numbers when you add in the defensive impact too here. So he's going to be right on the edge. And it will be an enormous accomplishment for a guy with his game to make it if he does here. And others have done it. Mostly centers, I feel like, are usually kind of the role guys. Horford's done it, of course, a couple times, once since being in Boston. So those guys can make it. It's much harder at the guard position uh, where right. there's just so many massive scorers and big stat guys. And the fact that he's even in the mix there with, you know, the Mitchells and the Youngs and the Lillards of the world there, it's it's a testament in itself, even if he does end up falling short there. So that probably answers my question. I was going to ask you, you have three three guys, three Celtics players to send in the All-Star game. Who are you sending? I think Let's you sent Porzingis. Yeah, okay. Porzingis I think you sent, I think you sent Porzingis because of the front court. Um, it's, it's consensus. Sherrod, Josue, and Bobby are, are all leaving uh, Derek White at home. If it's up, if it's three guys, three Celtics players, uh, who are going? I mean, it's no disrespect. No, I know, I know. I'm I'm trying to frame it that way, but it is what it is. Like you said, it's the talent at the guard position. You know how much I love Horford. And no oh, one's are you going to send Horford? No, no, no. I'm saying when he made the game. I was about to say <laughs> what. It's like yo. Three guys. He's like uh, Cornette, Horford, Are you about to finish and, uh, this sentence? <laughs> no, when Lamar he, Stevens. When he yeah. made the game, you you weren't going to watch him set screens and make passes in the high post and shoot a three here or there. You'd rather have one of the more high-flying up-and-down guys in the game. And listen, he could make it as an injury replacement very easily, I think. And then maybe you end up with four which I think is what the team's really trying to push for uh, right now with all this campaigning. So that would be impressive. I think it would be emblematic of what they've done in this first half. And again, my, my big takeaway from this game, Jimmy, is just how often early this season, the Charlotte game aside, they've avoided disastrous losses because I thought those losses defined last year. Oklahoma City, Orlando three times, Indiana, uh, all the way down the line, all those awful teams that they lost to last year. And this year, they really only have one truly bad loss in terms of the opponent that they lost to here. And as our guy um, Law said, you know, the Clippers beat writer who came on and talked to us over the weekend after that game or before that game, the Celtics have been in every game they've played so far. They've had big leads in every game they've played so far, just about all the losses they've played in, certainly. 
that's that's tough to do through like 30 games and it's it says a lot about just how good this team is. I mean, what? Who erases a 19-point deficit in one quarter? That's just crazy stuff. Yeah, the, best team in the, NBA, the best team in the NBA when you play the worst team in the NBA. That's what you do. You can spot them 19 <laughs> points and get it back in a quarter. There we go. I know. Still impressive yeah, stuff. Yeah, Yes, yes, Joe. We're back. We're no, back. They, they did that in the six minutes, man. It wasn't even. I don't think we should say a quarter, but yeah. I digress. I digress. I do want to say. I do want to say something about your Pistons too, Sherrod. It's tough yeah, to like watch. My name is like my name is Gore, and I own the team. Like I, <laughs> I know Jimmy has. I know Jimmy said that at least three times before we hopped on here, man. <laughs> this tell is tell me about my team. Sherrod's yeah. forever synonymous with one, the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, once a piston, always a piston, Sherrod. This is tough to watch because this isn't the sixteen Sixers or the eleven Cavs or one of those teams that just had nothing. They have so much, and they mm-hmm. have so many great players, and Kate especially. What a talent! And he really put it all on the line tonight to win this game and had them in position to do so. He had the shot to do so late, and he just front-rimmed it. And it's He also uh, had to defend Tatum, man, which I, I thought was impressive. And you know what? A couple shots. On yeah. top of it, he's talking after every single game and taking accountability for all these losses. And Monty said a pregame, Joe Sway was in there. You're going to remember this in his career, but this is also probably going to be what pushes him to have an even better career than he would have otherwise had going through this uh, because I don't think anyone in NBA history has gone through anything quite like this early in their career. I, at least a guy this talented. Well, we know in that the, happened. And you're going to, in the next uh, day or so, uh, the latest edition of the Big 3 NBA podcast will drop, and we have a conversation with James Edwards III who covers the Pistons for yeah. the Athletic, and we talk about What's up, James. We, we talk about Caden and just how he has handled all of this losing and just the impact James, who's pretty close to Cade, sees this having on his future going forward. And, again, Cade has been incredibly mature in handling something that I don't think most players with his level of experience going through something like this would handle as well as he has. 31-6-9 tonight with three steals and two blocks. And this wasn't even the best that he has to offer. There, this was because remember he pretty much the third quarter was a non-factor, was nowhere to be found. So I mean, basically he got those those stats for the most part in two two and a half quarters of play. Yeah, I think he had twenty two at half. Yeah, and you know he had a good fourth quarter. He's he's garbage three at the end. He's going to be a really good player in this league for a long time. For a long yeah, time, you, you just gotta, you just gotta kick that. You, you don't want that losing identity on this team right now, and like they're they, they believe they're gonna lose, so it's like that's where they're at. They need to get that win off their back, and I guarantee you, as soon as they do, I thought it was gonna be tonight. Right, I didn't. Well, when they went, when they even, went, when, even the way that first half went, man. You were twenty-one. You gotta close it out. I started to think so too. Sure, no. they just Celtics were not playing well at all. Dude, I don't I, I, as much as I, I want to see Detroit get off the snot, I don't trust them fools. I don't trust them. By the and way, I, I tweet, a, I tweet have, out this stat. Pistons offensive rebounding. They they grabbed 41% of their misses in this game. That was, was their best the, offense, the miss shot. Which was in the 97th percentile of every offensive rebound performance this year. So that was gonna be what would have killed the Celtics if they did lose here. And I think at halftime, the Celtics, even down 19, they were only like a three-and-a-half or four-point underdog Yeah. Um, over over on our good friend's uh, FanDuel site. We'll, we'll give them a shout-out at the end, guys. We're going to probably 
wrap it here. We got another one tomorrow. Um, I'll let, if anyone has any, me and Sherrod, we probably are, we probably have no more thoughts because we've been, we've been doing this for a bit, but Sherrod. What do you guys been on for 90 minutes or something? Yeah, just about 90 minutes talking about this game. We got another one tomorrow, but um, you know, Joe Sway, Bobby, you guys were there tonight. Uh, Bobby, you were in the locker room for a while. Is there something, someone you spoke to that you want to, you want to divulge any, anything? Yeah, I talked to Cade, and again, credit to him for being available after every single one of these losses and not just giving one-liners or, you know, just being pissed and sulking. He was giving good answers, talking about how he's learning from this, how he's trying to keep the team together, and you do got to give credit to him, again, for what he's doing here. As far as Porzingis, who we talked to on the Boston side, he talked a lot about how frustrating it can be to watch a rebounding performance like this as fans. You're just like, grab the ball. What the mm. hell? Uh, to quote them. So that was a struggle here, and they're going to have to do better with that. They're still experimenting with a lot of double big lineups too. They went with Kata Porzingis in this one, which we hadn't seen yet, uh, to go back to what we opened talking about there with the whole Kata conversation. So it's going to be interesting to see which double big lineup works out there. And, you know, they try to close the half with Kata too, which didn't go very well. So they're still trying to find – front court combinations that work there and as we get closer to the trade deadline of course that's probably going to be a position they try to address is that four spot and figuring out how they can put out consistent bench units with uh you know size out there because it seems like that's what they want to do here despite i saw a lot of fans were frustrated with the lineups tonight but you have to experiment you have to try some stuff and they were doing that again here early which i think was also part of why they went down by so much facts my dog i agree with you joe sway any yeah. Final thoughts? Um, final thoughts, man. Just um, uh, start the game better than what we saw against the Detroit Pistons. I mean, listen, it's that type of approach against any team. Uh, it's not going to yield great results. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, executing at a high level, reading the defense, not taking lazy shots. You know, on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, I mean, you have to have the energy to to put forth the right effort on the defensive end of the floor especially and i think this is that team where you know what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks where those defensive stops is what catapults the offense a lot of the time um and, and when that happens you don't see these type of performances where they're up to 10 turnovers you know by halftime or somewhere near that you know that, that's just not what this team is is about when they're playing their best basketball. So I think they, they, they turn things around, you know, in the second night of a back-to-back, -back, uh, given what happened here tonight, given the fact that they could have, uh, you know, snapped that losing streak against the Detroit Pistons, which would have uh, been a much different show here. It would have been, yeah. It would have yeah. been like the OKC game or something last year. But thankfully, uh, Tatum's um, third quarter – uh, display. Can we all agree on that? And along with Kristaps Porzingis going into domination mode, 23 points in that second half, mm -hmm. uh, 23 of his of his 31. Oh no, excuse me, 23 of his uh, 35. 35, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Um, in the second half, or no, excuse me, 29, 29, including the overtime, right? Just incredible stuff. He had six points at halftime. Um, you know, he's the he's the man of the game for sure. And, mm -hmm. and I just think this team. Uh, Again, what Joe Mazzulla's been saying all season long, it's going to look different every time. And it was, this, was, this was certainly a great example of that. Sherrod, you got anything else? No. I got three words for Sherrod. I'll speak for Sherrod. Three words. Pretty good Tatum. That, that was the theme. For Pretty Sherrod. good Tatum. <laughs> so PGT. We, yeah, exactly. So uh, we want to thank our, our, our great sponsors, uh, FanDuel. 
Once again, guys, if you bet $5 money line bet, you get $150 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com. Such a great Boston. Sign up. There's plenty of football left to bet on. We got a couple of weeks before the end of the regular season, and then we have uh, playoffs. So there's plenty of time to get your bets in. I think Bobby's trying to fight his way back on here. We'll see if he can before we leave. But um, we also got HelloFresh. We want to say thanks to HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash CLNS free. Use the code CLNS free and get free breakfast for life. Um, we've all done it. We we love HelloFresh. Saves a lot of time doing your shopping. They put the ingredients together for you. It's fresh, farm-to-table food. Going into the new year, guys, you want to set some you know goals for yourself. Why not start with your 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 diet? You know your personal uh, health situation. So HelloFresh is a good way to start. And this is a and you know what better start your what better way to start your day than with a nice breakfast. So thank you to HelloFresh. Thank you to FanDuel. And thanks to everybody who hung around with us tonight. Uh, we had a lot of lot of people check in uh, with us, Sherrod, from the start. We had with 16, 1700, I think, steady the whole nervous, night. nervous uh, yeah. Celtics fan base tonight. A lot, of, a lot of people couldn't sleep after that one. They, yeah. they, needed, they needed to they needed to think this one through a little bit. So hopefully we were able to uh, to do that. And uh, know what else too, fellas? You know what else too? A lot of uh, a lot of disappointed NBA fans. You know, I felt like the. Uh, the hate was kind of real on Twitter today, oh, guys. Man. I don't know, like, oh, if the Celtics all this will make my day, this will make my years. Like, all right, well, like, the Celtics are still hated as, as, as much as most teams in the NBA. Celtics have the target on their back for sure, especially this year. I like um, it. Good, yeah, I like it. Good. We'll be back tomorrow. We got the Raptors, and um, we will see you guys then in the final weekend of the year. Everybody, uh, enjoy the rest of your night, and we'll see you tomorrow.